Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month with no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. No additional fees, literally hundreds of events for $39 a month. For instance, over the next few weeks, you could hit up Nuggets and Jazz at Pepsi Center. I think that's this Saturday. Beer Flights at Prost Brewing, Avalanche vs. Predators, CU vs. Washington State down in Boulder, countless comedy shows at Comedy Works. There's literally something for everyone. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We partner with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. If you go to InWeGo.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and you'll fall in love with it like we all did. So go to InWeGo.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwell. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. As always, the BSN Nuggets podcast is presented by InWeGo, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind alongside Christian Clark, Tuesday edition of the show. Nuggets had an off day today. They flew to Chicago. They take on the Bulls on Wednesday. They have a back-to-back in Cleveland on Thursday. I felt like this would be a good time, Christian, to take some stock of where the Nuggets are at player by player. Denver is 5-1 and one through six games, obviously. And, no, it's still early, but I feel like we've got a good sense of where this team stands and where a lot of players on this roster stand. So we're going to go through the roster on today's show, start with Jamal Murray, and probably end with the last couple guys in the Nuggets rotation and give our opinion whether or not they've exceeded expectations so far or fallen short. So let's start with Jamal Murray. Nuggets starting point guard, obviously, through six games. He's averaging 16.7 points shooting 41.2% from the field, 31.3% from three, 4.3 rebounds per game, 2.8 assists per game, almost two steals, almost two turnovers. His second full season, or beginning his second season as the Nuggets starting point guard, his third year in the league, Christian, has he, in your opinion, exceeded expectations or fallen a bit short, or is he about on par with what you had expected for him this season. You know, it's kind of funny. These last two games, if you're just looking at the box score, um, just the straight counting numbers, you might think that, hey, Jamal Murray played really well. Uh, He had 22 points on 8 of 17 shooting against the Lakers. He had 10 rebounds in that game. 
Jamal had 23 points out of 9 of 19 shooting against the New Orleans Pelicans, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. He was credited with 5 steals as well. But I think if you actually you know sat down and watched those games, you know, I don't think that Jamal was quite as good as those numbers suggest. Um, I think Jamal has struggled a little bit at times with the finer points of, of playing point guard this season, and that was illustrated um, just pretty starkly against the Lakers when, when Lonzo Ball ripped the ball from him, you know, 85 feet f- from the Nuggets' own basket. You know, we've generally seen Jamal just kind of struggle against pressure this year, whether it was against Patrick Beverly, Lonzo, or, or Drew Holiday at times. And I think he's got to do a better good job of just the point guarding aspects of the game. We saw the Nuggets get frustrated a number of times in the offensive end against the Pelicans. Michael Malone had to run onto the court and call a timeout. Jokic and Murray are kind of griping at each other. So I would say that Murray has um, you know, been a bit below what, what I was expecting coming into the season. I don't know how much of that has to do with you know two sore ankles, but... He's not been quite as good as I thought he would be. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And you got to wonder how much the injuries have bothered him in the early going this season. He won't let out much in terms of you know, how much they're affecting his play, but you got to think they're bothering him slightly at least. He's been playing with two tweaked ankles for a while. I know one had been bothering him since before the start of training camp and there's been some sickness going around the team. And I think he was a part of that. Um, I would agree. I think he's come in slightly under the expectations I've had for him heading into the season. And those were lofty expectations. I mean, this was a guy who was getting some buzz and was a trendy pick for most improved player that probably contributed to my internal expectations, maybe going up a little bit. There was a lot of talk of, Hey, could Jamal Murray average 20 points per game this year? He's, come in under that number so far, averaging 16.7 a game. So the two areas where I think he's fallen a bit short so far is the one you mentioned, just him running the show as a point guard, him running his team. And the other one has just probably been his efficiency on the offensive end. Shot 45% from the field last year, 38% from three. So far, he's you know just a hair over 40%, shooting 41% from the field and shooting around 31% from three. So I think the efficiency has been a little low too on the offensive end. But is that a big surprise? He started off each of his first two seasons in the league ice cold from beyond the arc. He started off his sophomore season, what, two of 22, two of 23 from three. And going back and looking at his game logs, he actually snapped out of that funk in the Nuggets' fifth game last season or the Nuggets' sixth game. That's really when he got it going. So maybe he's due for a little rise in efficiency here. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not worried about him, you know, scoring the basketball a lot and doing so efficiently in the slightest. I expect him to, to catch fire pretty soon here, just, just to kind of correct what we've already seen. I, I'm really curious to see how he just progresses as the lead ball handler of this team, though, as the season goes on. I mean, one of the ways that you can tell Michael Malone you know, can kind of tell that Jamal is struggling with those point guarding aspects of the game. He's playing Monte Morris with Jamal. Um, and we can get into Monte and how he, good he's been more later. But, you know, playing Jamal off ball a little bit, that that's what he was doing at Kentucky when he had a, a killer one-and-done season. 
you know, Malone has already tried to lighten the load on him, just bringing the ball up the court and struggling to deal with pressure a little bit. Yeah, that combination with him and Monte, I think it's more so trying to get Monte more minutes because that's been something Michael Mullins been trying to do early in the season because Monte Morris, as we'll get into, has definitely been one of the bright spots for this team. But playing Jamal off the ball also can get him some good looks. He played off the ball at Kentucky. He played off the ball really exclusively his rookie year when he was playing next to Jameer Nelson and uh, Emmanuel Moody and then obviously became the starting point guard his sophomore season. So he's been dangerous off the ball at times. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if we get some more looks at, at that combination, and I assume we will over the next few games. So let's move on to Gary Harris. This is a guy for me who has, I'd say, exceeded expectations in the early going. I think pretty clearly been the Nuggets' second-best player throughout these first six games. You could probably make an argument that he's been their best player through these six games. He's probably been a bit steadier than Nikola Jokic, although Jokic has has been great in the early going, I'd say. Similar in a way to last year, how Gary Harris was probably the MVP of this team over the first half of the season. And I think Gary's doing it on both ends. He's doing it on offense and he's doing it on defense. He has had a couple great defensive showings and that is what I felt like was the next step for him. How much he's grown the offensive end is awesome. And that's probably the main reason why he got that contract extension and is viewed as highly as he is across the league. But if he could develop into that lockdown defender, man, uh, that would be so valuable for this Nuggets team. I think the on-off numbers suggest that he probably has been the best player through six games, and it's only six games. Look, I think me and you both understand that Nikola Jokic is his team's clear-cut best player over the long haul, but the Nuggets are outscoring opponents by 18 points per 100 possessions when Gary Harris is on the floor. They're getting outscored by 15 points per 100 possessions when Gary Harris is on the bench. I mean, he has just been so steady game-to-game per usual. His handle has definitely gone up a level. He's He's gone to that left-to-right between-the-legs crossover move a couple of times. He's gone to his behind-the-back move a couple of times. Um that, that play against the Warriors where he drove to the middle of the floor, put it behind his back, and, and Clay Thompson was all of a sudden 10 feet away from him was beautiful. Also a beautiful bucket in that Pelicans game last night down the stretch where he just kind of bumped Drew Holiday, one of the strongest guards in the league, and Drew Holiday like backpedaled eight times, and Gary just dropped in mm-hmm. a really pretty mid-range shot. I mean, it's crazy that Gary's averaging 20 a game on 50% shooting, and he's not even making his threes. He's making <laughs> right. like a quarter of his threes right now, you know, he's shooting 58.5% on two-pointers. That was, as of this morning, uh, that was the second best among guards in the entire league. I mean, once that three ball starts to fall, uh, I mean, Gary's just going to even look that much more dangerous than he already has. Yeah, it's foolish to put a ceiling on what he's able to do. First off, because he's still really young. And second of all, because we've seen him add to his game every year. And now we're seeing... A defensive component, I think. To go back to the on-off numbers you just mentioned, Nuggets are giving up 98.4 points per 100 possessions when Harris is on the floor, and they're giving up 102.6 when he's off the floor. So a huge difference there. And the final area where Gary's exceeded my expectations I had for him coming into the season is as a closer late in games, fourth quarter scoring 
He leads the team right now in fourth quarter points per game, leads the team in field goal attempts in fourth quarters right now. So he's becoming the guy down the stretch for Denver. Yeah, it, it just seems like his pulse is the exact same in the fourth quarter as, as in the first quarter. I mean, what's in your time covering the team, what's the most rattled you've ever seen Gary Harris? Can you think of like one time? No, he's never never been rattled at all. Uh, he's always been calm, cool, and collected. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the perfect illustration of that was there was this photo after he hit this the game winner against OKC last year, like you know, the, mo- the most famous shot of last year from a Nuggets perspective. And he's just got a pretty blank look on his face after just hitting this massive shot on national TV. I mean, you, he's unshakable. So... Gary has exceeded my expectations. I'm guessing he's exceeded yours too. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. We're going to skip Will Barton. Of course, only appeared in like one and a half games for Denver. Unfortunately, let's move on to Tory Craig, though, uh, who's stepped in at small forward since Will Barton went down. Uh, Tory's numbers on the year, 20 minutes per game. A little more than he played last year. He averaged 16.1 minutes per game a year ago. 3.6 points, 3 rebounds per game, 0.8 assists per game, half a block, and half a steal. I didn't have really high expectations for Torrey coming into this year. I think last year is kind of the player he is, but I don't feel he's been as effective as he was last year. And I don't know if it's reflective in the numbers or whatnot, or maybe now that he's in the starting lineup, but he just hasn't had the same impact, I guess, from an eye test perspective for me that he did a year ago. If you look at his on-off numbers, uh, when he's on the floor, the Nuggets have outscored their opponent by 6.4 points per 100 possessions. I feel like that's probably indicative of the guys he's playing with. So, Maybe it's unfair to say he's coming under my expectations because I, I didn't have like huge expectations for him coming into the season. But, um, you know, he, he's pretty much been the player I, I think he was last year. Torrey's played 100 minutes. He's made two shots uh, that weren't right at the rim. If you just go look at a shot, card, shot chart at NBA.com, one mid-range jumper and one three-pointer. I mean, look, he's he's not never going to be a dynamic offensive player in the NBA. That that's perfectly fine. He can still contribute, but he's just got to be a little more of a threat than he has been. I um, mean, just two of fourteen on three pointers. You know, LeBron was not even guarding him in that Lakers game. He was playing a free safety. You know, when when that's the case, that just puts so much more strain on everybody else. The rest of the offense It's gonna be harder for Nicole Jokic to get buckets in the post. It's gonna it's gonna close down driving lanes for Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. I mean, that impact is just felt a little bit everywhere else. So, yeah, I mean, Michael Malone is not gonna change the starting lineup, but I can completely understand why. I yep. mean, I, I get it. Um, Tory Craig is. You know he's going to defend and hustle at the very least every night. And, hey, you're winning, you know. Even if it has been ugly at times, you're 5-1. and one. Like, why mess with that? I, I get it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Torrey's just got to get some of his confidence back in the offensive end. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, he's got to start hitting that corner three, I think, if he wants to remain in the starting lineup long term. Hasn't been able to do that yet. Defenses are leaving him open. They're letting him take that shot and – he can't really pass that shot up. He was a decent shooter 
uh, in Australia. He w- he was a good shooter in the G League. Uh, that shot's really just got to fall for him to uh, to have more of an impact for sure. Before we move on to Paul Millsap, got to tell you guys about my bookie because it's that time of year for many sports fans. That means it's time to win some money. The most important thing I hear from fans when it comes to online betting is how fast can I get my money after I win? So I'm happy to tell you about MyBookie. Not only does MyBookie offer the highest credit card acceptance rates, but when you win, they pay out fast, putting money in your hands right away. Here's what you need to know about MyBookie. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win and they pay fast. They also have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Right now, if you join MyBookie, they will actually match your deposit dollar for dollar if you use the promo code BSN100. Again, you got to use that promo code BSN100 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And again, don't forget to use the promo code BSN100 to activate that offer, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. You play, you win, you get paid. Let's move on to Paul Millsap. His average is on the year through six games, 27.7 minutes, so slightly below the minutes he played last year. He averaged 30 minutes per game a year ago. Shooting 40% from the field, 25% from three, 8.3 rebounds, 11.5 points per game. For you, where does he come in? You know, he's kind of a tricky case. Um, if you're just basing him totally on just net impact, I would say about what I expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, overall, he's been really, really valuable to this team. Um, if I would look at, you know, him, his offense and his defense, I would say his offense has definitely been a little worse than I expected. He had a good game against the Pelicans, though. Um, you know, he looked pretty spry jumping, which was a welcome sign. And, you know, I had high expectations for Paul Millsap coming to the season defensively, and somehow he's exceeded them. Right. The on-off numbers are crazy for for Millsap defensively. The Nuggets are allowing 95.3 points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. That number climbs all the way up to 106.7 points per 100 possessions when Millsap is off the floor. Like, he seems to have one or two plays every game where he just comes out of nowhere for a help side block. It's like, how did he do that? And it's weird, too, because... There have been times where it's like, man, can this dude like even jump? I mean, he got hung on the rim in that Lakers game, but on the defensive end, I mean, it looks like he's really, you know, getting up and meeting guys at the highest point. So I guess I'm kind of struggling how to reconcile those two things. Yeah, it's it's been an odd year for Paul for sure, because like you said, he's really struggled offensively at times, but been uh playing defense at a defensive player of the year rate so far. I mean, he's been the key catalyst behind Denver's third-ranked defense. And, yeah, after a couple discouraging defensive performances, they're still holding steady at the third-ranked defense overall. I will say Paul has been, for me, about what I expected from him. He's been a little bit better defensively than I thought he'd be. He's had a little more of an impact there on that end of the floor that I thought he wouldn't. He's been a little worse offensively uh, than I thought he'd be this season. So if I'm balancing those two things out, I'd say he's coming in right at what I expected him to. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that a a healthy Paul Millsap does, even in his 13th NBA season, is he just raises the baseline for a team so much. 
I mean, I think, you know, the Nuggets have been outshot in, in four games this season, including the Pelicans game. They're 4-0 in those games. That, that was a great stat, courtesy of Nuggets PR last night. But, you know, I think a lot of that is just due to Millsap. He allows you to win those those grinded-out, ugly games in, in a way that no other player on this Nuggets roster can. And a, a little overlooked was what he did against New Orleans, probably his best offensive game of the year. 18 points on 6-12 of 12 shooting, 8 rebounds, and most importantly, he hit two threes. Uh, so that was a really big game for his confidence. And, you know, if you look at his shot chart, he tried to get most of his offense, really all of his offense, from right around the rim and from the three-point line. He didn't really mess around a ton uh, in the mid-range like he, he's done in, a pa- in the past. So maybe that's a formula to better offense, more efficient offense from him. Yeah, a couple dunks too, which yeah. was great to see. <laughs> yeah. Nikola Jokic, a guy who won Player of the Week uh, for his efforts over the Nuggets' first three games. Player of the Week uh, in the Western Conference on the year. His stats look great. 21.5 points per game, 10.3 rebounds per game, 6.8 assists per game, shooting really efficiently from the field, 57% uh, from the field, 42% from three. I haven't looked at the stats team-wide three-point shooting after the New Orleans game, but before the New Orleans game, just kind of describing Denver's struggles from beyond the arc, Jokic and Monte Morris were the only two Nuggets role players shooting better than 34% from three. So Jokic has been solid from beyond the arc. Where does he come for you so far when it comes to what you expected of him preseason? Uh, He's been... You know, really good overall, and and that's what I expected from him. To be honest, you know, I said before the season started, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if Jokic averaged something like, uh, you know, twenty one points, eleven rebounds, and seven assists. Well, right now he's at twenty one and a half points, ten point three rebounds, and six point eight assists. I mean, I think Jokic could could very easily maintain that line over the course of the season, which is pretty crazy. Um, you know, he's only shooting 3.2 three-point attempts per game. And honestly, I would kind of like to see him chuck up a few more. I mean, he, he's got such, such great touch. We're still seeing him at, at times be a little bashful with shooting the outside shots. And, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, like, tell Nicole Jokic how to play offense because he's so freaking good at it. But, even you know, I can get the that he wants to feel his way into the game sometimes and he doesn't want to take him unless he feels in rhythm. But I just think he's good enough that, you know, he, he should be taking him even when he doesn't feel his best on that end. Yeah, Jokic in that New Orleans game, he had not the type of offensive game I expected him to have. Like 12 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, the 10 assists was kind of indicative of the role he played, the facilitator role he played against New Orleans. But... Looking at the Pelicans and how they started Okafor, Julio Okafor at center, and how they guarded him with Nikola Mirotic a lot, I expected Jokic to have one of his highest point totals of the year so far. So I was a little surprised when you know he only makes three field goals on the night and only attempts eight of them. He will never say this, but you kind of get the feeling that when he goes up against opposing centers that he knows he can take down into the post and really dominate like we saw against DeAndre Ayton 
he'll be really aggressive in going at those guys. So that's why it was so surprising when he didn't really get on the block. And I know New Orleans was doubling him at times, but in the first half, there were a lot of openings for him to score down low. I was a bit surprised that we didn't see Jokic pour in 30, 35 points against the Pelicans. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Jokic smelled blood in the water very early in in that game against the Suns. And I mean, he made DeAndre Ayton look foolish in that game. Uh, Tyson Chandler, too, um, by the way. You know, I I think Jokic could have done something similar, j- just worked Jalil Okafor in the post, and we didn't see that. So I think Jokic is doing, you know, a better job, even in the early part of this season, and we saw it late last season, of just understanding that, you know, he, he's got to score every single night and he's got to get those shots up even when he doesn't feel his best offensively. But there there are still some games like the Pelicans where you, you come away wishing that he was a little more aggressive on the offensive end. I said I thought we were going to get the Nikola Jokic at the beginning of the year that we got at the end of last year. And there have been some games where we've gotten that Nikola Jokic, ma- mainly against the Suns. But there are some games that, have happened that we haven't got that Nicole Jokic and that's fine. The Nuggets are, are still winning, but maybe we'll get that more aggressive Nicole Jokic more often. What have you seen from him defensively so far? How would you rate him this year compared to last year? I think he's been better defensively this year than he was last year. Where have I seen the most growth? I think it's in a similar area to where I've seen most of the growth defensively up and down the Nuggets roster. It's probably the same area that Michael Malone points to most often, and it's just the effort and the buy-in. I mean, how many times last year did we just see him give up the whole lane and really let somebody go right to the hoop and not really contest? Uh, We're not seeing him do that as much this year. We're not seeing most of the Nuggets roster do that as much this year, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, Gary Harris said after that New Orleans game, there's just a different vibe around this team right now. I think kind of what he means by that is, it's a more business-like approach. It's better effort, more consistent effort, game-to-game from everybody, um, including Jokic on the defensive end. You're, you're not just seeing him seed as many possessions on the defensive end as you did last year in Matador defense, so to speak. Let's move on to Monte Morris. He's a guy who's exceeded my expectations so far. I think he's been one of the bright spots for the Nuggets throughout these first six games, highlighted by that 20.7 assist effort in that loss against the Lakers. He's been really solid. Uh, he's been steady. He hasn't turned the ball over as the Nuggets backup point guard for, I don't even know if he still has the assist to turnover lead, but he did have it after that Laker game. He had the best assist to turnover ratio uh, in the league did have two turnovers against the Pelicans, so maybe he's lost that title for now. But he shot the ball well from three, shooting 43% from downtown. That rework, that recalibrated jump shot looks really good. He's getting into the paint. He's running his team really well, and he's being a pest on the defensive end. I think back to that game against Steph Curry, and he probably defended Steph Curry the best out of him, Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris. So it's been a really encouraging start to the year for Monte Morris. He's exceeded my expectations so far. Monte Morris's epitaph 60 years from now is just going to say, here lies a man who never slipped up. Epitaph. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Monte, I mean, that was the book on him in college. He just didn't ever make any mistakes. He set the NCAA assisted turnover record three different times. 
Um, you know, 24 assists, four turnovers so far as the Nuggets backup point guard. Uh, he's making threes right now um, pretty consistently. Um, one, you know, small gripe I have with him right now is I think he could be doing a little bit better job of finishing at the rim. He's 12 for 27 on shots and inside, but that's picking nits. Um, Monte Morris has been fantastic for this team. I mean, I, I was really high in him coming out of Summer League where he's the best player on that Summer League team, in my opinion. And, yeah, he, he's even exceeded my expectations. I mean, just look at the minutes he's played these last four games. 22 minutes, 29 minutes, 27 minutes, 24 minutes. I mean, he sees this backup point guard job and just run with it. I mean, it's it's pretty clear the confidence Michael Bullen has in him. I want to talk about him and Jamal Murray playing in the same backcourt. And before I do that, we've got a question from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline on that subject. And again, guys, if you have questions for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394 is the number to call. 1-800-BSN-8394. If you've never called before, all it is is an answering machine. So you just got to leave your name, leave where you're calling from, and we'll play it on the show and give you our reaction. So let's go there right now. Hey, fan base and uh, Christian, uh, I got a question for you. Uh, this is EJ Holloway from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, kind of a two-parter here. From what I've noticed, um, Malone likes playing Jamal Murray with the uh, the bench so that, uh, you know, we can pick up speed and uh, pace. Um, and then what I've also noticed is his use of Monte Morris, uh, who scored 20 in the Lakers game. And, of course, we just came off of a win going 5-1. and one. Um, I, I just want to know, do you think that putting Monte Morris um, as a scoring punch with Jamal Murray so that we could play Murray at the two um, is, is a good idea? And how many minutes do you think those two will be on the court at the same time? And how often do you think um, Coach will try and build chemistry between them? Um, also, uh, where do you think Mark Price um, has made the biggest change in, uh, you know, the free throw shooting uh, with the Nuggets? Where are we at this point so far in this season than we were last season? And who has made the biggest jump in free throw shooting? I think that free throw shooting is the difference between wins and losses for the Nuggets as we're great inside um, and, and get so many fouls per game, which is what we were known for last year, but we were – miss all our foul shots um you know what percentage do you think we could end um finishing at the end of the season and, and how much of a difference do you think mark price is making in that regard um i i like jamal and monte on the floor at the same time but you know how many minutes do you think they can actually do that um anyway uh go nuggets five and one love the bsn denver podcast i'm going to keep listening to you guys it's been about a year here once again, this is DJ Holloway, mega fan. Uh, you know, you guys are great. Keep doing what you're doing, and go Nuggets. Thanks, EJ, for the call. I know I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Jamal Murray that the main reason I felt like Michael Mullen wants to play that combo, Jamal Murray and Monte Morris, is just to get Monte more playing time. But it's also to try to jumpstart Jamal's offense and put him alongside a pure point guard like Monte Morris is the purest point guard the Nuggets have on their roster by far I mean even if you're looking at a guy who's injured right now in Isaiah Thomas so I think that 
might be part of the thinking too. Maybe we can jumpstart Jamal Murray's offense and get him taking some more efficient shots here. If he's playing alongside somebody who, you know, just has a knack for setting people up. Yeah, I mean, if you're like doing a pure point guard ranking, like Monte Morris is a hundred out of a hundred. Right. Mean, it doesn't get any more pure point guard than Monte Morris, and I mean, pure point guard. I mean, it matters less and less in today's NBA. But yeah, I mean, he he's just a guy completely in that mold where, I mean, he's just an elite table setter. When it comes to free throw shooting, EJ's second question there. This is crazy. Um, as a team, the Nuggets are shooting 76.6% from the line this year through six games. You know what they shot last year from the line? 76.7%. Um, and if you look up and down the Nuggets roster, as their team free throw percentage indicated, there's not a whole lot of change there. Nikola Jokic shooting... 1% better than he did last year so far in the early going. And it's such a small sample size. I don't know how much you can buy into these free throw shooting numbers so far. Like Malik Beasley and Torrey Craig haven't taken a free throw yet this year. Uh, Gary Harris is slightly down. He shot 83% from the line last year, shooting 78% uh, from the line this year. Going down the roster, if you want a guy who's technically improved the most, it's Paul Millsap, who's shooting 73% this year compared to shooting 70% last year. Uh, but not much change up and down the Nuggets roster. Mason Plumley, after some encouraging signs in the preseason, has not shot the ball well from the free throw line so far. Uh, he's at 36% through six games. You know, I can understand why Mason Plumley is a poor free throw shooter. I mean, you know, in, in games, you just don't really want him shooting outside of five feet. And that's not like, I don't mean that to be like disrespectful or knocking him. He's still an effective and good NBA player, even though, you know, he's, you don't really want him taking jump shots. The one guy I'm, I continue to be perplexed by at the free throw line is Trey Lyles. Right. He shot 71% at the line last year. And, you know, he was 49% from the field and 38% from the three, both good marks. This year, he's at uh, 67% from the line. I mean, he should be a good shooter, uh, a good free throw shooter. He's looks to be a good, you know, in-game shooter. He can definitely stroke it from distance. We've seen that. He's got a beautiful-looking stroke. I mean, he's often one of the last guys off the floor um, after shoot-around just getting extra shots up. I, I really just don't get it. I, I don't understand why, you know, he's not shooting like 80% from the line. It's confusing to me. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's at 67 from the line this year. He shot 71% from the line this year. But the difference with Lyles uh, this year, and, and we can transition into what we've thought of his season so far, he's not been able to find the stroke at all from three. Uh, he shot 38% from three last year on three attempts per game. He's taken three attempts per game again this year, but he's only shot two of 18 uh, from distance. What are you seeing from Lyles when you look at his year? Do you know who leads the Nuggets in overall turnovers? I'm going to guess Trey Lyles now. Yeah, uh, I didn't set that up very good, did I? <laughs> yeah, Trey Lyles. But I'll admit uh, that's uh, surprising for sure. Yeah, I, I could have set that up better. But yes, uh, Trey Lyles has committed 14 turnovers. That's one more than Nicole Jokic, who... You know, just has his ball, the ball is in his hands for like 32 minutes every single game. Um, that's not great, Bob. Uh, you know, 
I, I viewed Lyles as sort of this team's X factor coming into the season. I mean, for everything broke, right? He, he could be the first sub off the bench every night, just kind of an elite scorer off the bench. I believe I predicted before the start of the season that he could be a dark horse six man of the year candidate. And it's too early to write him off. I'm not, <laughs> hey, I'm not, I'm not panicking, Harrison. I'm not panicking six games into the year, but I, I hope this doesn't turn out as a lot of your summer league predictions did. <laughs> I don't want to talk about those right now or ever again. All right. Uh, I mean, but seriously, Lyles, uh, he, he just has lacked confidence in the offensive end and, that Pelicans game was sort of a step in the right direction from him. But, yeah, I mean, it's a little concerning to see, you know, two for 18 start from three. But I'm a believer in his stroke. I'm a believer in his stroke, too. Maybe not at the 38% clip he shot last year, but maybe at a 35 or 36% clip. I'd say Lyles, for me, has performed a little below the personal expectations I set for him at the beginning of the season and uh, mainly that's just due to him not really being able to find the range from three. And those turnover numbers, like you mentioned, a lot of the chatter in preseason play was about how he's this playmaker now and how he's a guy who's, you know, shot faking from three, driving to the rim and you know, finding spot-up shooters or, or finding his fellow big man. And you know, we haven't really seen that so far. Um so we'll see what happens from here. Yeah, maybe this is just uh, some regression to the mean. I don't know. But he's still getting the opportunities, you know. We set the barometer of minutes the Nuggets would have him penciled in for at 20 in the preseason. He's averaging 20.3 minutes per game right now, which uh, I think is a good total for him. I, I wonder if we're ever going to see him at small forward. It's something we love to talk about, but I can't remember a minute that he's actually played small forward after we've devoted probably about an hour to it on the podcast over the last two months. I mean, you really can't. It's hard to justify throwing him in there at small forward if he's not making his outside shots. Right? That's very true. That's got to be a uh, requirement of playing small forward. You've got to be able to hit that three. Let's go ahead and take a break real quick. On the other side, we'll get to... The final guys who we at least have somewhat of a gauge on through six games, Mason Plumley and Malik Beasley. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here, Tuesday edition of the show. Let's talk about Malik Beasley, a guy who had the best game of his season, maybe one of the best games of his career against the Pelicans. 12 points in 31 minutes. Going back, I think that's the most he's played since the final game of his rookie season. What's been your impression of Malik so far? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he totally changed the complexion of that game against the Pelicans. Uh, Michael Bowen went to him about two minutes into the third quarter, and you know, right away the Nuggets ripped off a, a big run. His, I mean, he has the athleticism where he can change things for the Nuggets. I, I think he has the chance to be a, a plus defender in this league for a long time. I think we've already seen a lot of good things from him in terms of his on-ball defense this year. There was a sequence last night that kind of sticks out in my mind where he got switched on to Miritich, and Miritich was trying to just bully him in the post, and Malik didn't let it happen. Um, Finally, they got the ball into Miritich, and Malik did a a really nice job of of just contesting his fadeaway jumper. So I think he's already doing a lot of good things on the defensive end, and offensively, the key for him for a while now has just been don't try to do too much, just blend in. And he's been doing a good, a nice job of that. He's taking the open threes when they're there. Um, you know, he shot really well in the preseason. He, he's shot it okay in the early parts of this year, and just just attack those lanes when they open up. Keep it simple, basically, and he's done that. Yeah, we've got a question that came in on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline referencing Beasley. Also referencing Tory Craig, who we spoke about at the beginning of the show, but I want to play it now because it sets up a question that I posed on bsindenver.com after the game on Monday. So let's go there right now, and then we'll react to it. My name's Chris from New York, and Tory Craig seems to be uh, clogging up the offense, and he really can't make a three-pointer. Do you think that Malik Beasley should be the starting three for the foreseeable future? Thanks for the question, Chris. To the point you just made about him defending Miritich, that's what you forget about Beasley. He's really strong, and he's really well-built. You can tell it's his third year in the league. You can tell he's been on an NBA weight training program for a while. I mean, the guy is jacked, and I think you see that really help him out on the defensive end of the floor. He still makes some mental mistakes from time to time on defense, but you know, I think he's every bit the defender that Torrey Craig is. When it comes to should he move into the starting lineup, that's a question I posed on bsindenver.com after the game on Monday, and I think there's a lot of reasons to think that that lineup combination might work better, Malik and the four regular starters, than the starting lineup the Nuggets have thrown out there over the past few games with Torrey Craig and uh, the rest of those four guys. The spacing when Malik was playing with Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic in the second half of that game against the Pelicans looked better. The offense, I felt like, flowed better with that group than it did in the first half when Torrey Craig was in there. Michael Malone obviously thought that too. That's why he stuck with Beasley for really the entire second half. It was an Ironman-like performance from Beasley against the Pelicans. I can understand why Michael Malone isn't going to switch things up like we talked about earlier, they're 5-1. and one. Nobody expected them to be 5-1 and one right now. Uh, they're winning games with their defense. I don't think Malone wants to shake up things too much while they're playing this well. But you want to get this offense executing at a higher level than it is right now. And not having Will Barton is a huge part of that. But I think with a guy who's more of a three-point threat than Torrey Craig in Malik Beasley, it could open up some things for this offense. So... Maybe if it's not something they go to to start games, I'm sure it's a look we'll see in the first quarter Wednesday in Chicago. 
they're playing pretty well overall, even though they're, they're nowhere close to their ceiling offensively. I mean, if they drop one of these games in Chicago or Cleveland, then, yeah, I would probably expect a change in the starting lineup. I don't expect them to lose one of these games, by the way, um, just because I, I really do believe the Nuggets have turned a corner in, in terms of taking care of business against the bad teams. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect a change in the starting lineup next couple games at least. Mason Plumley, the final guy we're going to get to, really the final guy who's played somewhat consistent minutes for Denver here. His average is on the year, 6.7 points per game, four and a half rebounds per game, 16.2 minutes per game. The 16.2 minutes per game, is that about what you expected him to play or is that slightly less or, or, or slightly more? Yeah, I mean, it's maybe a, a little bit low, but I guess we shouldn't be surprised because, you know, I think why his minutes were elevated last year, well, first of all, was, you know, Koa Jokic missed a stretch of games with an ankle sprain and he stepped into the starting lineup. But also, without Paul Millsap, Michael Ballone liked the Nikola Jokic-Mason Plumlee frontcourt pairing. We really haven't seen no. that much of that pairing this year. I mean, when Mason Plumlee is in the game, you know, he's just in there to basically fill in for Nikola Jokic. And, you know, honestly, I think overall Plumlee has been really good in, in just that low usage role. Uh, he's shooting 64.3% from the field, uh, shooting 75% on shots three feet and in. And, you know, that's pretty much what his diet consists of. He's just going to be a guy who, you know, occasional post-up, finishes lobs, rolling to the basket on the pick and roll and stuff like that, but I don't think he's trying to do too much. He um, He's doing exactly what the Nuggets need from him, and overall, he's been really good in that role. Yeah, I'd say he's about played to the expectations I had from him at the beginning of the season. I don't know if I said it, but Malik Beasley has definitely exceeded the expectations I, I had from him at the beginning of the year. Plumlee has been really solid, and I, that's what I expected him to be at the onset of this season. Shooting it really great from the field, 64% right now on field goals. That's his highest mark since his rookie year. At the free throw line, he's been a little disappointing, like we said. In terms of minutes, I guess it's a little lower than I expected him to play, but you know, we knew it was going to be tough to find minutes consistently for him because he's the fourth big in the pecking order for Denver. He's been really good finishing around the hoop, though. Solid in transition. He's already tallied like 10 reverse dunks, so it's setting up to be a good year going forward for Plumlee. Favorite make of the year so far, that game against Golden State, Plumlee uh, intercepts a pass. He's out on the break by himself, and he goes to the reverse dunk on the break all alone. Yeah. Would you expect anything less? He's an MF and legend in the game, Harrison. <laughs> he certainly is. Let us know what you guys think. Who's exceeded your expectations so far? Who's come up a bit short? Hit up the Total Beverage fan hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. Want to know what you guys think. And we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday recapping the game against the Chicago Bulls. We'll talk with you guys then.